Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. Today is Monday, August the 12th, 2019. And I am really excited to introduce you to our guest because just like me, just like you, she has undergone a spiritual awakening. She has come to realize that there was more to her than what she had been taught to believe there was by society, by parents, by schooling, and all of those wonderful things that tend to limit who we think we are. So I am going to be um, having a conversation with Lenora Scurry, and she is a powerhouse because she has taken all of her life experiences and, and is using them to help women, to help others, again, who just like, like me, who just like you are undergoing this incredible journey that oftentimes is very confusing. Sometimes we feel alone. At other times, we get all high and mighty because we experience this transcendental uh, knowingness of our divinity. And then we drop right down into our humanity and we experience the ebb and flow of life. And Lenora is going to share with us how it is that she has come to find her alignment with the truth of who she is. Lenora, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Well, as I do with everybody, let's just jump right in. Okay. Tell me, when in your life did you begin to realize that there was more to you, more to life than maybe you had been taught that there was? Well, as far back as I can remember, I felt like that I really didn't belong, even with my family, our church organization. Um, it just always felt different, always feeling like things that were being said or done. It just did not resonate well with my spirit. Of course, at that young age, I could not articulate or even understand what was happening. Um, but as I got older, I guess around age 21 as I, when is when I really decided, you know, I, I'm just tired of this. There has to be more to this because if there's not, I just don't even want to be here anymore. Um, so then I just began a journey mainly at the age of 21. So when you went through that experience and you felt like maybe you didn't even want to be here, were you feeling suicidal at that point? Were you feeling deep depression that made you not want to be here? Yes, I was actually suicidal. I just could not take life anymore and so many things that happened. And I just didn't understand because the way I was taught to believe was you just pray and that God, you know, magically comes down and just makes everything better. Now, yes, miracles do happen. But one of the major things what I, that I learned is that it's our life and it's our choices and that we have to do the work ourselves. And then God will guide us and direct us. Yes, you know, that that's such a powerful statement because I, too, have learned through my journey that God is is responding to my taking responsibility for how I want my life to unfold because I am here as the one who is experiencing things. And from that place, I am experiencing the contrast and making choices that then guide my life down one path or another. Yeah. So that, that process is very different than what I was taught as a child, that God was out there somewhere. And yes, monitoring everything that I was doing to punish me after the fact. And then this journey began to teach me that, no, God isn't sitting out there waiting to punish me. God is waiting for me to to use my life um, to to move it in the direction that I desire. And I can choose to align with it or not. Right. So take me to your childhood. 
what were some of the things that you knew um, were true for you, but didn't make sense in the outer world, like that, that they were not adding up that made you feel that you didn't belong? Well, I think one of the major things was, you know, sitting and listening to sermons and being told, you know, and taught about love, 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 love. But yet the church itself was beating you down if you didn't just do everything right, if you didn't do everything correct. And it was the same at home. Uh, I had a very abusive background. So at home, it would be violent and uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse. And when we go to church and it's love, 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 love. And it really gave me a distorted view, not only of life, but pretty much of myself. I felt like that there was something wrong with me, that I was never going to be good enough, that I could never um, have my mother be pleased by me or my church be pleased by me. But most of all, that God was not pleased with me. So that was really a turning point for me that made me to decide, you know, hey, there's there is more. Wow. Um you know, it's like that with every single person that I have worked with, and I've been doing this now for about 14 years, everybody has a story. Now the severity, uh, the, the range of severity is quite varied from, in my case, it was more emotional um, abuse. It wasn't physical. It wasn't really, uh, I, I couldn't say that it was, a, I actually can say it was a wonderful childhood, except for when my father left. Um, to people who have extreme abuse. And so the gamut is pretty broad. However, the effect is the same when we as a child are not validated for who we are and we begin to lose touch with what love is. Because at some level, we all know that we are love. We are the bringers of love. Love is what feels natural to us. So share a little bit about that discrepancy between the love that you knew you were inside or the truth that you knew about you and how you were perceiving love according to those who were supposed to be your caretakers. Well, I perceived a love that just was not real and genuine to me. Uh, anybody can say, I love you, but it's in the actions. So the actions that were being um, portrayed at home and at the church we're not lining up with what the Bible teachings were or what they were saying. So I really began a deep search into the Bible, researching a lot of scriptures, looking a lot of um, different ways and ideas, and really just began to get in deep prayer and meditation um, so that I could, you know, quieten down and receive more clarity on what love and life really should be. Share a little bit about what you were discovering about what life and love should be all about. Well, one thing that I really learned, um, I learned a lot through Joyce Myers. Um, she is a wonderful speaker, writer, and started reading a lot of her books like Beauty from Ashes. And that really touched my spirit. And she went through severe sexual abuse with her father. And uh, she, like us, knew that there was something different and something more. And she shares her journey. And it was just really such an eye opener for me because I thought, gosh, how could she go through all that and then be doing what she's doing and speaking the love that she's speaking? So I delved into some of her books and especially Beauty from Ashes really helped me. That was you know, one of my first turning points to have something there that was really tangible and that really touched me to the core of my soul.
Yes, and you know she has done a wonderful job in her her genre is primarily inside of the Christian community yes, yes. and how beautiful that she is bringing in essence, what is a spiritual awakening? What is that process of, of going through that dark night where you lose your, your identity as a child of God that we each are. And then the process that we go through to reclaim that alignment with the truth of who we are. So share, uh, what was it like for you? Like how many years did it take you when you began to get curious at 21 to begin to go through the process of healing all of the discrepancies that you had learned for the previous 21 years? What was that process like for you? Well, a lot of people want to hear, oh, it's easy, but it's not. If you're wanting to go on this spiritual awakening and you're wanting to discover who you really are, it's not easy, but the rewards are amazing. It's probably, I'm 58 now and I still haven't fully discovered it. And only in the last five years have I really begun to crack that hard shell because when you're, again, people think, okay, I'm 58. This happens a long time ago. I'm going to change this in three months. And in three months, if they're not better or they're not feeling it or if they're going back and forth, they get discouraged again. But it's not that way. It took me 58 years to get here and it's not going to change overnight. So I'm still doing the work daily. Um, but a good I guess when I was around 41 is when I really just started delving deeper. It was very difficult. I had to examine my relationships, including the relationships with my family, relationships with friends. Everything that I was doing, I had to delve deeper and go into a quiet, silent place. And first of all, was to accept my responsibility in all of those relationships. What could I have done different? What could I have done better? What should I have learned? What lesson was there for me that I overlooked? So I kept going through a lot of those same things over and over and over. But as I realized, and then another book that helped me was Henry Cloud's uh, book called Boundaries. I had no boundaries. Our family had no boundaries. There were just no boundaries. And it was scary to me because I was like, my gosh. And then when I started setting boundaries, I started noticing that the people were closest to me were pulling away from me. Um, they didn't care to be around me anymore. And the reason was is because I had changed the dance. This is how they talked to me. This is how they treated me. But when I discovered I deserved more and better and I set those boundaries, they began to pull away. So that was a really difficult time, but again, also very rewarding. And then once you step away from all the toxicity and you work on yourself and you get yourself, then you forget, you start the forgiving process and then you can eventually start connecting back with those family members, with those friends, because you have a new perspective. So now you know how to have that relationship. Yeah, I mean, you've said something like wonderful things and we're getting a little bit of a feedback here so I'll, I'll speak a little slower to make sure that we're not uh, reverberating here but okay. one of the things that you said that is really really wonderful um, is that you you read this book called boundaries because this this is a journey of realizing the way that I teach it is I like for people to think of themselves as having um, three parts in essence. One is there is an aware presence that is becoming aware of the story that we create that activates our egoic sense of self, our mask, our who we think we are. And then there's the real essence, the soul, the spirit of who we are. That That's what God gives us. That is unchangeable and forever eternal. 
And then there's our human experience that we have to look at. And that process for me began, you know, I was 42 when my, or 41 when my mom passed away. So like you, at about the same age, I began to really question, who am I? And that journey was a journey of realizing that who I had been for the previous 41 years was a reaction to the environment that I had grown up with, to the teachings mm -hmm. that I had received. Um, I had received Catholic teachings that never really quite resonated with who I was. Mm -hmm. I had received ideas about who men are based on my father leaving when I was 10 and basically hearing my mom say, you know, men are no good. You don't need a man. Um, I was hearing how women behave based on what my mother and my grandmother modeled for me. In essence, I was creating an idea of who I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to do, and what I was supposed to have and acquire to do life successfully according to what I was being taught. But nowhere in there was I checking in with my soul. I was doing what I needed to do really from, from a survival perspective, making sure I, I kept peace with my family. I didn't want to upset anybody. And I certainly did not want to later on um, make anybody so mad that they would abandon me like my dad abandoned their family when I was 10. Right. So I lost myself in self-protection mode in becoming, again, what others wanted me to do. And like you said, that process of self-discovery is not easy. It is not simple. It is very simple in that you have to sit there and become aware. You have to have courage to sit there. I mean, there's there's no way around it. But right. what you were saying was you had to, you read that book about boundaries and you had to set boundaries. Talk a little bit more about the boundaries and how they worked for you so we can give examples because there's no way, in my opinion, to really come to know who you are without setting some kind of boundaries to give you that space um, to become introspective, to become self-aware. So how did that look for you? Well, I think the hardest boundaries for me to set were with my family. Um, as you, you know, there's that fear of abandonment, that fear of rejection, and I had spent my whole life trying to conform and trying to fit into what they thought I should be and talk like they thought I should talk and walk like they thought I should walk. And when I got to that point where I was just tired of always trying to make the amends, I would we'd make amends and I'd call and say, I'm sorry. I'd go right back into it. And with really no idea that if I say it actually um, came a point where I had to make the decision that I was going to have to step away from my family for a while, work on me, boom, escape back, the scab would just get peeled back, peeled back, and there'd be a sore there forever and ever and ever, and then the sore would eventually heal, but then there was all these scars that I was leaving, and I was just tired of that, so I began mm -hmm. setting boundaries with my family, um, stepped away from them for a moment and I'm still there right now. And I know in my heart eventually, and this is my heart's desire with true love and true forgiveness, I'm going to be back in relationship with them. But as I said, this is a time for me. This is a time for growing for me. And this is a time for me to know and understand that the boundaries that I set were okay. Because another thing that I learned, your title, whether it's mother, brother, sister, father, does not give you the right to abuse me. And a lot of times it's that title, well, that's my sister or that's my mother. They still don't have the right to abuse you. 
So I had to take that time, step away. I'm letting myself heal. And then eventually you'll be hearing the story of how the forgiveness came and the love and how my, me and my family are back together again, which I'm excited about. Oh, absolutely. That is, and there is an echo here. Um, do me a favor and go ahead and close out and come back on. So refresh your page and see if we can clear that out. And while Lenora is doing that, I just want to uh, comment on uh, it takes a lot of courage. It's it takes a lot of bravery to share our stories, to come out on a, you know, on a program that we don't know where it's going to go and share our stories. So um, I always am so grateful for all of the guests who who have that kind of courage and willingness to be transparent, because we do know that this is going to be touching people and ideally it's something that is going to be um, really helpful. And Jody says that the the background, the noise, the feedback is coming from both sides. So Lenora, now that you're back on, let's go ahead and start chatting and see if that helps okay. any, um, because I can also uh, refresh my page. So before we get to, to all of the wonderful work that you've done, talk a little bit about you were talking about those roles. When we have this mother, father, older sister, younger sister, older brother, whatever, all, all of those different roles, what we're creating is a hierarchy. And our egoic side, our human side, believes in hierarchy. It believes that there are better people who are better or lesser, uh, good or bad, right and wrong. Um, share more how those dynamics played out in your life. Because when we come to do this work, we come to realize that at a soul level, we're all equal. Um, God creates all of us equals. We are all the exact same rays um, of the sun as, as all of us are souls of the same creator source. Yeah. So speak to how did those levels affect you guys? Well, me, especially I was the youngest of six and um I was trying to follow in the footsteps of, you know, my sisters and my mother, even though I wasn't necessarily agreeing with all that, you know, I, I love them and I thought that they were great women and, and they are great women. Um, but there were things that I was seeing that just and being said to me and done to me. And I understand we can't, you know, no one makes us feel anyway. We allow it. So through this process, I allowed, you know, the judgment and the criticism and the, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, why are you doing this? Why can't you be like this? Why can't you be like that? And what I did is I internalized all that. And like I said earlier, always thought there was something wrong with me. So during that process with me thinking there's something wrong with me and I'll never be good enough, then I went the other way. I did everything I could do to prove them wrong you know, from drugs to alcohol to promiscuous sex to things that left me feeling empty and void and feeling less than I already did before I reached out to do those things. So I'd lost my way. I felt like I didn't fit in the good world and I didn't fit in the bad world. So I just didn't even deserve to be in the world. Um, so that was a real eye opener for me there. Oh, that, that is a huge eye opener. Let me... I'm going to, can you still hear me if I take these off? Yes. Oh, okay. So we'll try that to see if that those headphones had anything to do with it. Um, that is a huge eye opener 
when when we grow up in an environment that is unconscious, unaware of the truth of who we are, that they cannot treat us with the reverence of the divine beings that we are. And when parents are parenting unconsciously, it's because they are not aware of their own divinity. Therefore, they cannot acknowledge ours. Um, so we have basically people uh, who are parents in a deficit of truth, raising children to become basically uh, mirrors of themselves, people who, who are deficient in knowing truth and knowing who we truly are. And that leads us to feeling like there's a hole, like there's an emptiness. Yes. They, yeah. There is something wrong with me. Every child will do that, which is a very normal part of this process. The child eventually will internalize it. And yes, later on, they will take revenge in one way or another. We take revenge because we become aggressive, become bullies and I'm going to prove you wrong or right, passive aggressive right. victims that we let anybody abuse us because yeah, it proves that we have no worth right. um, either way. We lose our voice. So to reclaim our voice and you, you set the, the boundaries, you began to do the process of, of healing to reclaim your voice. What were some of the things that you needed to do that you discovered about yourself through the process that helped you get to the place where then you were able to do the forgiveness work? One of the things was self-love. Uh, I grew up again that, you know, I'm 58. It's, you know, the religion we were in, you, you know, again, you're never good enough. You're never. Um, so I grew up with this image that, again, I was nobody. I was unworthy. And when I realized that self-love was one of the most important things and that I was not being selfish, when I said no to something I didn't want to go to, or if I said no to some big event that because, say, it's a funeral that everybody went, that I'm obligated to go no matter what I felt like or how I felt about the person or what was going on, I had to do it out of obligation. That self-love really taught me um, taking care of yourself is not selfish at all. It's one of the most important things as human beings that we need to do because we can't give what we don't have. If we don't love ourselves, if we don't value ourselves, if we don't take care of ourselves, we're giving out what's perceived as love and we're using the word love, but it's not the true, genuine, authentic love that God wanted us to use on this earth. For one, it's not life changing. It's stifling. It holds you down. It holds you back. True, genuine love motivates and encourage. It uplifts. So for me, the self-love journey was a very big one for me. Oh, I love hearing you say that genuine love encourages and uplifts and motivates because it is true. It, it is a, lo a love that is calling us into our highest vibration, into our highest frequency, into yes. being as close to source as we possibly can get. And how can you rise if you don't uplift yourself and others? So it, they go hand in hand. Um, a couple of things that you said, let me touch on that, that learning how to say no. I, because I, I became a people pleaser after my dad left, I was all about, I'm going to do everything everybody wants me to do so that they don't abandon me. And let me tell you what, I was a busy person for many, many years, overcommitted yes. with all of the neighborhood activities, with all of the school activities. The teachers knew that they could count on me to do anything and everything. Yeah. Uh, 
at, at work, I was overcommitted. I was always volunteering to do more things than I had time to do, which left me quite depleted. But it satisfied that insecure part of me that didn't want to say no. So when you began to say no, what were some of the repercussions? Because I lost a lot of friends when I began to say no. I wasn't invited to parties anymore. I wasn't. Um, it, it was. It got quite lonely for a little while when I started exercising my no. I'm not going to do that because I value what I want to do. Right. Oh, I lost friends in the process and even some family. Um, my situation at the church I was attending changed a little bit because like you, anything they asked me, I did it because, you know, I'm like, pick me, pick me. I want to be loved. I want to be loved. And in order to do that, I felt I had to do that through my actions and what I was doing. And when though, when that changed and I decided I just can't do this anymore, I'm not going to do this anymore. Then it really changed the dynamics of most of my relationships back then. So then I had to find a new way to interact and a new way to be. And again, like I said, some of them just disappeared totally. And that's, I just had to accept it. And then, of course, I didn't just brush it off. I had to process those feelings, too, and say this pain is real. It's genuine. I've been here before. I'm going to work through this. And then once I did that and I was able to let it go and actually able for, you know, to forgive those people. Yes. And as I said earlier, this is not an easy process because we're going through a metamorphosis. We are literally discovering who we are we are peeling back layers of all of that conditioning and all of that self-protection and all of the things that we have built up to keep us protected i came to realize kept me from being authentic they kept me small they kept me yes. living inside of a very small life so it was right. for you exactly the same way share kept me very small yeah give me some details um, I actually, Lenora, I'm yes. sorry, Lenora, hold on a second. Jody's telling me that she's getting a lot of feedback from me. So let me switch up my mic. Okay. I'm not hearing you at all now. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? No? I can hear you. Oh, no, it went out again. Okay. Can't hear me? Now. Yes, now I can. All right. So we'll do it this way. Um, so Thanks, Jody. <laughs> so, Jody, if you're there, please let us know if you're if it's getting any clearer. But I'm sorry, Lenora, that I interrupted you. So please continue. What was the question again now? <laughs> so we were talking about uh, saying no and the fear of losing uh, relationships and having to. Uh, I may have lost my place, too, when I got sidetracked with a microphone. 
Um, Jody says that it sounds better. So, so just, just go ahead and share whatever you want to share. Cause I'm not going to remember exactly where we were, <laughs> um, but you were in essence finding your voice. You were finding um, your power. And there were some, some relationships that got shifted as you were beginning to say no and, and being okay um, with the repercussions of that. Right. Um, I guess specifically one that I could share a situation um, there was, I was at this time a Mary Kay beauty consultant and there was this big event and I did not understand why, but as the event got closer, there was just like this real heaviness on me and I didn't want to go. I felt very uncomfortable. Um, I ended up going because that's what I was being pressured to do. And I felt like I didn't want to be a disappointment or feel like I was going to miss something. So I forced myself to go and from beginning to end um, that event was just a disaster for me and it was just overwhelming. And then there ended up being some issues involving several of the women in our group. And at the end I realized that's what I was feeling. I was feeling that situation and I didn't want to be a part of it. But again, I did not listen to my intuition and I went and I had to go through all that mess to get back and to realize, Hey, you should have, no matter what anybody thought or felt, you should have followed your intuition. So then there was another in incident similar with the same company and I just said no. Well, I was ridiculed and told, you know, well, you're not going to make your business grow. You're not going to be able to do it this way. You're not da, da 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 So I've really learned from several situations. Now I call it going silent. If I text my closest people and I say I'm going silent, they know don't call me, don't text me. And they stay that way until they hear from me because that's how I have to pull away. And when I'm feeling that, I mean, no matter what the event, you know, unless, of course, it's my grandbabies, but <laughs> their birthdays or something. But even then, there's things I've had to miss because I've had to learn. If I don't listen to my intuition, something usually happens. And I, I, this term, I don't know if it's the correct term I want to use, but I feel like I'm stepping back. Like I go into these situations and then I'm having to step back because I did not listen to my intuition and I didn't say no. Okay. That is such an important lesson um, because we do have to get clear that we, what we are aligning with is that inner voice, is that inner guidance that we had as children. They know when kids are, when we're pre-verbal, we are moving, we're being moved by something inside of us. Our joy, our excitement, our curiosity is coming from something yeah. within us. And when we begin to learn how to protect ourselves, in essence, we're building that egoic personality that is observing the environment and moves into survival mode. When we move into that survival mode, we begin to lose touch with that intuition. We become more aware of self-protection and it is always a heightened sense of survival. Yeah. And for me, as I was moving through this journey and I was beginning to realize what my mask was, what that egoic side was, and I was beginning to peel those layers, of course, it was uncomfortable for friends because I was no longer being who I was supposed to be and who they expected to be for sure. But something amazing was happening to me, too. I was beginning to hear a guidance. I was beginning to hear what Lina really wanted to do. Instead of doing it because I was going to get something, instead of doing it to manipulate the environment, I was becoming more authentic. And at first, I didn't even know what that was. It was scary to honor what I felt like doing because I didn't know that part of myself. 
right. what was that like for you to begin to remember more of your authentic self? Well, it's been an amazing journey. And I also learned that, um, like we were talking about the intuition, um, but with me, I had to dig really, really deep. There was just so many things blocking that. And once I got there and then going in full mode and, and operating under that and doing that, um, like you said, it was very scary. But once I worked through that scary part of it and I realized that I don't have to perform to be loved, I don't have to do what everybody else wants me to do to be loved. And again, that's the ego too. We're wanting to do, do, do. So they'll love, love, love. It was so yeah. freeing to me and it opened up, you know, as the song says, a whole new world. And I was able to, it was like a burden had been lifted. And so I felt a lot freer. I was um, a lot happier. I was a lot more content and I was learning to really walk in who I am and not what everybody else thought I should be. Yes, and it period of feeling balanced for me for a long time. And I think I'm getting some feedback again. It clearly is coming from my side now. Um, but I've turned everything I could possibly turn off and leave it at just the, the basic microphone. Okay. But I was very unbalanced and I, I did not know who I was. I knew who I had been pretending to be. And that, that, didn't fit me anymore. It was like too tight. I was right. that costume, but my free self was being punished by rejection. And I had to, to learn, find my way into getting comfortable with who Linus voice is that I could say no, or I could say yes, or I could honor things that I felt like doing that I didn't do because I didn't want to upset the apple cart or things that I shouldn't do because it's not what what a mom does or it's not what a 40 some year old woman does. Yeah. Um, so I had to test a lot of boundaries and <laughs> yes. out of a lot of limitations. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about some of the things that helped us. Can I with, share something real quick in between that? One thing I learned too, that a lot of people don't understand is they think that you're going to go from here to here. What I have found in my journey is I go from here, like say letting people verbally abuse me, take advantage of me, to then I went over here to like, nobody's gonna be mean to me, I'm gonna be a bitch and I'm not gonna do this, and I'm not gonna do that and blah, 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 blah. Well, on my journey, I found every time then that I go from here to here, but then I'm working my way back to here, which is the middle ground, which is the balance, which is where we should be. Beautiful. I used to the pendulum swing to one side 98 degrees, it's going to have to come back 97, and then it's going to have to go 96. It doesn't move, right? It doesn't swing out, and then it stops in the middle. Right. It's going to move through to the other side, and then we have yes. to balance it. So, thanks for inserting that in there. Um, but I did not know who I really was, and I participated in many, many things that allowed me to begin to discover who I was. For example, I went on shamanic journeys that allowed me to, to resensitize myself to the rhythms of me, to the rhythms of my inner voice, my, my um, make peace with all of the aspects of myself, my angry self, my peaceful self, my scared self. I didn't know the landscape inside of my psyche because I was always trying to avoid feeling who I was inside. It was scary mm -hmm. because all I felt scary. all I felt was alone. So I had to put on my mask to pretend that I was so loved and had all these other people around me. Mm, that's and so good. 
oh my goodness, journeys within uh, meditations, so many energy healing sessions. God is journey. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about some of the things that you went through to help you resensitize yourself to who even Lenora, the divine holy being that Lenora is. Well, the Bible has helped me a lot. There are a lot of scriptures. And of course, I've delved into them a little bit deeper, not just going with like meanings that I've been taught. And one of them was Ephesians 5, 14. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. So to me, that said, you know, because I was taught that it was just God would do everything. You just relied on God and he would take care of your whole life. But to me, that scripture proved that different. You know, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead and then Christ will shine upon you. Um, So that was just one of my favorite scriptures. Some other things that I've done. um, I'm always reading books that are motivational and inspiring. As I told you, Joyce Myers, I also read her Battlefield of the Mind, which is very, very good. Um, uh, Henry Cloud's book on boundaries. And then, of course, all of Renee Brown's teachings. But one of the ones that helped me the most was the gift of imperfections. So I'm just constantly reading, writing, journaling, uh, anything that I can do to grow. Well, to grow, we grow through getting to know ourselves. Yes. Through understanding who we are so that we can run that through the pendulum test. The self-love journey, as I like to call it. Absolutely. Am I um, operating from a deficit? Am I in fear? Do I need to you know, behave this way? Or can I be operating from wholeness, from fullness, uh, from love? What does that look like? And little mm-hmm. by little, as I began to become familiar with those two aspects of myself, the presence mm-hmm. of awareness that began to, to really awaken is the part of me that, like that quote you were saying in Ephesians, you begin to, I began to feel the presence of the Christ consciousness. I began to feel the truth that resonated with me when I was going through my Catholic upbringing. And as I began to feel that that truth, I began to feel that presence inside of me. And then that sent me on a whole different journey, but it was feeling that presence of this unconditional love inside of me that I knew wasn't Lina. I knew it was coming through Lina. So I could feel like this, this other Holy Spirit was just moving and activating this incredible love and peace and joy inside of me. That's when I began to realize that if God loved me enough, if Jesus could forgive me, then that sent me on my journey of being able to forgive my my dad for leaving us, my mom, my yeah. sister. So let's talk about your your process of forgiveness. What allowed you to begin to forgive that childhood of abuse that you experienced? Well, one of those, again, was getting clear, stepping away from the situation, because when you keep putting yourself back in it and you don't have boundaries and you don't understand it, there's no change. You just keep subjecting yourself to the same. Um, So for me, again, it it started separating myself, pulling myself away, going inside, um, just really learning to love myself genuinely and authentically, because like I said, you can't give what you don't have. So self-love to me is the first most important, including your relationship with God and others, because if you don't love yourself, you can't give them the kind of love that they need. And once I did that and I opened myself up and I separated myself for a bit, I really just started 
doing a lot of writing about my mother, writing about her life, what she um, had done for us. And it was really um, eye opening for me as I sat down and started to write all the positives about my mother, what she did. You know, she was a single mom of six kids, age one to 13. When my dad left her, she kept a roof over our head. She cooked all of our food. She didn't have money to buy clothes. So she made all of our clothes. Our house was always clean. She took us to, you know, church. She was that way. And I guess she just didn't have anything else left to give. But through that process, I was able to forgive her because then it helped me to see and understand that my mother, again, what you don't have, you can't give. She didn't have self-love. She didn't have understanding. She didn't have compassion. And so she didn't pass that on to her children. And for me, once I really started concentrating on the positives with my mother, the things that she did, instead of not worrying about the things that she didn't do, that opened me up to be able to forgive her and to actually say, I love you and mean it. Cause I was not able to do that for years. And, you know, even on her deathbed. And that was something that was so great. I did not see her the year before she passed because of some other situations. And I had separated myself and went through this process. And I'm telling you, so as she was dying, I was able to be by her side. And I was able to tell her that I loved her and that I forgave her and asked her to forgive me for anything. And we even sang some songs together and it was so good and it was so refreshing. And I felt like for the first time in my life that I can remember that I genuinely, truly loved my mother. And that was so healing for me. How that. And, you know, that is something that often um, when we're talking about our spiritual journeys, that, that little piece gets missed in, in so many stories. So I'm glad that you're bringing it up because it's so important. As a coach, whenever I'm working with somebody and they've, they were dealing with their childhood, whenever I recommend, I suggest that they begin the process of, of acknowledging that their parents did the best that they could, the pushback that I get when people are not ready um, it's really incredible because that part of us that wants to blame, we have to achieve a level of maturity that we will not heal if we don't give others the same reverence that their journey might, you know, was difficult, that they too were raised by unconscious parents, that we are giving unto other the thing that we want to receive. And we cannot have our freedom, but we don't free others from the responsibility of all of our shortcomings, of all of right. our pain and misery, because until we release them from being the source of why I'm not okay, I cannot own my power to be okay and then be able to extend that, like you said, uh, fill my well before I can go ahead and be of service to anybody else. Right. So recognition that they did the best that they could is actually not only a very healing piece, but that lets me know when people are pretty mature mm -hmm. on their journey. Right. Well, and, and you have to, and what she did, you know, I think about if I was left with six, I raised one child as a single mother and it was, it was difficult. She raised six and worked full time also. And like I said, did all the cooking and the cleaning and the clothes making um, so I had to give her, like you said, I had to give her reverence. I had to give her reverence for being my mother. I had to give her reverence for what she did. We were never pawned off on anybody. We were never, you know, she didn't give us up for adoption. She didn't, she was always there, even though she wasn't always there present in that true moment, she was doing the best that she could do. 
And this old saying that says, when you change the way you look at things, the things that you look at will change. So I had to change the way that I looked at my mother. I had to change looking at her as my abuser. I had to change looking at her that she caused my caused my life to have all this turmoil and trauma because she didn't. It was my choice once I became an adult. I had to look at my mother as, you know, a, a parent who bore, who, you know, who bore me and raised me and did the best that she could do. Never felt like my mother loved me. And see, now genuinely, I can say that my mother did love me and she did the very best that she could do. Even though I felt like it wasn't enough, she did the best that she could do. And so I have to give her reverence for that. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. Not sure why. I'm losing you. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? There's just some, some background noise. It's unusual. Um, okay. Can you hear me? It's going in and out, but yeah, try it again. Sorry about that. So when we begin to recognize that everybody else is the presence of the Christ consciousness, everybody is a spirit. Everybody else is a soul. Either they are aligned with that or not. And anybody who cannot give from a place of love is because they're not aligned with their own soul. And this is where, for me, the forgiveness became so powerful because that's when I began to realize that we're all the same. We are all exactly the same. The equality of who we are is what began to register with me as I began to do my forgiveness work with my parents. Um, one of the big forgiveness pieces that really liberated me in an amazing way is I had carried a lot of resentment towards my dad for divorcing my mom, leaving my mom when I was 10. And I went on to live my life with a secret vow that I would not do to my children what my parents did to me. And when I was in my 40s, I realized that that marriage is not where I wanted to be. As I'm discovering who I am, as I'm finding my authentic voice, I knew I had to get a divorce from my children's father. And it was when I, when I began to feel, oh, I'm going to be just like my father, mm -hmm. that all of a sudden I felt that anger towards my dad. And as an adult, I began to feel, well, why did my dad leave? He didn't leave because he hated us kids. He left because he was complete with my mom. He, that was not his partner of choice anymore. And I then began to see my dad from a place of equality. And I began to realize, well, just like me, he wanted to move on and be with somebody else that he felt might be a better partner than my mom was. And that gave me permission, actually, to, to move through my divorce and find that peace in my heart. Only I did it, you know, sharing with my children differently than just walking out like my dad did. Right. He was giving my father that, that grace that just like me, he too deserved to be loved, allowed me to drop my resentment, move into forgiveness, and gave me permission to make some changes in my life that I may not have made because I was trying to keep my perfect mm -hmm. appearance of, you know, I had the perfect family, the perfect wife. I'm right. This that, mask, that mask we all wear. Total mask. And <laughs> but that equality that uh, giving my dad uh, the right to be a magnificent soul just like me 
getting caught up inside of his own childhood dysfunctions and pain and suffering and putting on his mask, giving him permission to remove his mask and choose love, gave me permission to remove my mask and choose love. And that was a transformational moment because that's when I began to realize, oh my gosh, we are all the same. My compassion for all humans was born out of that experience. Yes. So did you have uh, similar experiences where you came to realize the, the oneness of, of everybody? Yeah, um, because it, it's, as even the Bible teaches and, and going on now, it is love. It's all about love. And a lot of people think, well, we've been hearing that for years. Yeah, we've been hearing it for years, but how many people have really been practicing it? Um, you know, with the situation I went through and, you know, I'm just open and honest, but my daughter was molested and she was molested at our church. And that was very difficult because of what it was. But one, then me and my daughter became the bad guy because it was by a 16 year old that was friends with the administrator of the church. And um, they didn't want to look at us anymore. They shunned us. They didn't talk to us. They made me step down from the choir. They made me. And so really, I'm thinking, OK, where's the love? Where is the love? We were completely and totally abandoned to deal with this and go through this. And I didn't seek out other help because I was taught that it was wrong. Counseling was wrong, that we just need to believe that God's going to heal the situation. And I tried that and tried that and tried that and it didn't work. So I had to understand and really start looking at, OK, where is this love? Where is this unconditional love? What's going on here? This is not love. If this is love, I don't want it. If this is love, I don't, certainly don't want to share it. Um, so for me, that journey on love and that situation um, opened me up to a place of I want to be different. I want to be more. I want to do more. I want to be able to offer that grace, as you said. I want to be able to offer that forgiveness. And then therefore, I have the real, genuine, authentic love, not just the love that people speak about, but they don't practice. I want to practice it. Yes, because that's my source of peace. Not not judging anybody, not um, judging their journeys, not thinking I'm better than or lesser than. That equality uh, became the the place where I knew I wanted to walk in that middle way, and right. I wanted them to be to me. Share a little bit about your work now. You know, you help others do so much of the same healing work that you've done. Share what what propelled you to do that, and then how is it that you help others? Well, I was unhappy in my career and just wanted a change, and I really didn't know what my passion was. So again, I started researching. You know, what does passion mean? How do you find out what your passion is? And it, on this article, it said, you know, watch what jazzes you in your daily life. Pay close attention and watch what jazzes you. Well, I found out with me, it was communicating with women that were going through something that I could encourage them, that I could help them, that I could give them advice and that I could share what I had been through and how I overcame that and the steps that I took to take that. So I knew I wanted to help other women. Didn't again, really did not know what it looked like. I just stepped out, started designing a website, you know, lenorescurry.com. Didn't know what the name was going to be. Didn't. And now it's developed into, um, it's called the self-love revolution. And that's what I'm doing. I'm inspiring and providing enriching 
experiences to women and I'm helping them to achieve better relationship with themselves so that they can learn to embrace themselves fully and completely and therefore manifest a life that they love. Just trying to lead them and guide them and direct them into this self-love revolution. So that's what I'm doing now. That's my heart's desire and that's my passion. I love it. I love it. It is a self-revolution. We are revolting against all of yes. this. Yes, against all of that fear and get against all of that indoctrination and taking our voice back, our power right. back. But it is a journey about, as, as you and I were just talking about, it's not a journey about putting anybody down. If you put somebody down, it is not a self-love re revolution. Right. It's just a plain old revolution. God right. knows we've done plenty of those and they don't lead to anything. But I love that title, this self-love revolution, because in the word revolution is the word evolution. We have to evolve out of our immature childhood perspective and begin to look at things from our evolved um, right. soul perspective, the, the perspective of God, the perspective of Christ, of Buddha, whatever you believe in, so that we can align with that higher frequency, that vibration of love that is pure, as you were saying, that it is so pure that it does not even notice others that it is just one with all that is and for me that's what i um i my alignment is to that love it my my only question is how much of that love am i allowing to flow through me um am well, i again, which is why i say the self-love because it can't flow through you fully and i guess purely would be a good word until you learn that self-love you can yeah act like you're giving it or fake like you're giving it or do all the motions or say all the words. But unless you delve deep and you get to that true, genuine point of self-love, and once you do that, everything else around you falls into place. Your other relationships, your, um, you know, your, your career, everything falls in line, I believe, behind the step of self-love. Absolutely. Uh, the the players to realize that our authentic self is nothing but pure love yeah. and it's the love that we brought to the planet it's a it's a love that we bring in as babies but when we're not not nurtured by conscious parents into remaining aligned with that and being aligned tapping into that voice because that's the intuitive voice um we lose touch with that and yeah. as we lose touch with that, well, that's what's happened to humanity for all these thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And we have to do the work of, of uh, yeah. you know, evolving back to what we actually are. So right. share some words of wisdom. I mean, you've shared plenty of them, but give me some nuggets of things that you uh, have gleaned from this journey that you want to leave people with that maybe we haven't touched upon. Um, well, as I told you earlier, the one thing is that, you know, my life is mine. It's up to me. It's the choices that I make in life. And uh, most times we make wrong choices because we're not conscious and we don't understand or we make it out of what I found when I had this lack of self-love. And as you said, had this big void that I was trying to fill it with men and, and, and drinking and, and food addictions and all these things, just trying to feel better about myself. And it's not it's not about that. It's about, like I said, reaching down deep inside, finding what's within you, learning to love yourself and value yourself. Therefore you can set the boundaries. Therefore that frees you up to be more of who you want to be. And then also, like I said, then everything else falls into place. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. 
So for you, the Bible has been so important. And through my journey, I was receiving a lot of guidance from the consciousness that to me felt like Jesus. And mm-hmm. it's still who I received guidance from. And I, I was guided to study A Course in Miracles. And I was very, the voice was very clear. And it, it basically told me to stay away from the Bible, that the teachings that were going to come to me were going to come to me through other other. Uh, channels through other areas, primary circles. Uh-huh. But the Bible has been so important to you. So share some of the things that in you going back to the Bible, you discovered were truths that were in alignment with what you were discovering as you were connecting more with your authentic self that really have been so impactful for you. Again, uh, on love, um, because I was being taught in the scriptures in the Bible about love, 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 but I wasn't experiencing it at home and I wasn't experiencing it from the church that I attended. And again, not saying there's not churches out there that are not loving. I'm, t- I'm speaking from my perspective and where I was at. And so once I really began delve into the scriptures more about love and began the self-love journey, uh, it really opened my eyes, you know, when the scriptures in the Bible were talking about love. And also a lot of mine came through meditation. I just pulled up any meditation that I could on self-love, self-love, self-love. And I just immersed myself in these meditations. I did what's called mirror talk. Um, I wrote a letter to myself um, about what I liked about myself and how much I loved myself. And tying all that in together, because the Bible and church was such an intricate part of my life. And I had grown up to almost despise it and hate it because none of it made sense. But when I did my own journey and took the scriptures and the love and tied it in with my meditation and my prayer and journaling and other things that I do, it really was so freeing to me to see that, you know, that was a stepping stone for me, the Bible and talking about the love, but it opened up a whole new world for me to see and understand true genuine love as it is not as somebody said, not as the scripture said, but then we saw different actions or different um, ways that people treated us. We just have to look at the truth and yes, yes. And everybody's truth is different. I mean, whoever other people that have read the Bible or done the self-love meditations may not get the same thing out of it that I did. You know, so it's everybody's own journey. It's everybody's own truth. And wherever you glean from it, whatever helps you to get to that place that you need to be, it's okay. That is so good. I shared and oh, goodness, a lot of feedback here. So let's wrap this up. Um, I would like for uh, you to take a second to share anything you want to leave our audience with before I, I close this up. For this well, I would just like to say whoever's listening, it, it is a process. It does not happen overnight. I still haven't arrived. I'm still judgmental sometimes and I still get angry and I still do things, you know, but it's a process. It's about loving yourself in the moment. It's about embracing yourself at that moment. It's about embracing that little girl who felt unloved and abandoned or that little boy who felt unloved and abandoned. And it's about reaching deep and it's about finding your place and it's about gleaning from what you can that, you know, mm-hmm. makes your life a better uh, place for you to live and want to be in. And again, uh, self-love, self-love. It goes right. Yeah. Love. 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 The presence of love. 
So thank you everybody for participating in this other, uh, this episode of Align with Lina with Lenora Scurry. And as she said, you can find her at, uh, her website is lenorascurry.com. So do connect with her because there's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot, a lot of wisdom and, and a big heart and a big desire to help others with uh, what she has discovered. So and also I have Facebook. Can I mention this real quick? On Facebook, I have Soul Sister Survivors also that you can join and become a part of. Awesome. So give her a request to join Soul Sister Survivor and send her a, a friend request because she is yeah. right here on Facebook. And uh, next week on Monday, um, the 19th, I'm going to have Glenda Emery. We're going to talk about her journey. And that's another fascinating journey to, to come to know the truth of who she is. So as always, remember that we are already magnificent. These journeys are helping us discover that, reveal that, remember that. This, this uh, self-love revolution, as Lenora um, calls it, is truly a returning to, back to the love that we always have been and just forgot temporarily through our life experiences, but it doesn't change that that is the truth of who we are. And it is our job, our responsibility to become courageous enough to come back inside and reclaim that for ourselves. Yeah. So thank you all so much. Have a magnificent day. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Lenora, for being with me. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye.